So if you've watched Big Little Lies, you know that this show deals extensively with rape and sexual assault, and these are things that are triggering to you. This is probably not a podcast that you want to listen to. Welcome back to episode two of the Big Little Podcast. Um, I'm Teresa, and I'm a Jane slash Bonnie. I'm Rebecca, and I'm a Jane slash Madeline. I'm Carolyn, and I'm a Madeline slash Renata, a.k.a. the worst. (laughs) If you haven't already watched the entire show, do not listen to this podcast. There are going to be lots of spoilers. We might go out of order. Like, just go back, rewatch them, come back later. And we're going to kick this off with an episode recap from Carolyn. All right, so in this episode, we get to see more of what an asshole Perry is. Uh, Like, one second he agrees to go to therapy, and then he acts like a petulant child for missing the teacher meet and greet, and then uh, he and Celeste get involved in wild fight sex, so, uh, oh, and then when he leaves town, she engages in cyber sex with him, so we just really see how fucked up this relationship is. Meanwhile, Madeline is on a crusade to right all the injustices in her community with, uh, her community theater Avenue Q production getting funding cut because uh, of the perverse puppets upsetting the town of people who are clearly pretending to be prudes when in reality we know they're all engaging in super gross sex with their gross rich spouses. Um, Madeline is also at war with Renata over the uh, social event of the school year, a.k.a. her child's birthday party which Ziggy, uh, the newly declared bully in town, is not invited to. And uh, Madeline is also going at it with Bonnie, who took her teen stepdaughter to Planned Parenthood to get birth control that the daughter is not having sex with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, Madeline's husband, Ed, finally emotes from behind his bushy, I-work-at-home beard to express anger and fear that Madeline is still obsessed with her ex-husband, which she definitely is. Um, I can't, so I can't blame him for being mad at her. And then um, the Ed, Mr. Sensitivity, bikes over in the dorkiest sporting attire possible to a meeting with Nathan, Madeline's ex-husband, and threatens him in only a slightly veiled way. Uh, so that's a new suspect to follow. Maybe pushover Ed still has more to do with the pending crime than we thought. Uh, And then in other awkward attempts at school, Ziggy, influenced by Chloe and a song for making up and making out, uh, is, goes and kisses Annabella, Amabella, and uh, (laughs) Amabella doesn't look quite unreceptive to it, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, but apparently, uh, according to how the school and everything reacts to it, she changes her story after the kiss, so that's pretty much all the goods that happen in this episode that you need to know about. Great, thanks. Um, Before we dive into the meat of this episode, I've got a couple of just, like, ongoing themes I want to talk about. Um, First of all, motherhood. We touched on this a little bit in the last episode because there's sort of this working mother versus stay-at-home mother theme, but there's also young mothers versus old mothers. And I'm just wondering what you guys kind of are thinking about how this is playing out in this show so far. Well, one of the things I found myself doing while watching this is I kind of feel like all these mothers are old mothers. Like, I was Googling the ages of, like, Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman, who are exquisitely stunning. But 
are in their 50s. Mm-hmm. They're um, definitely, I think, to me, they're the track, the oldest in the show, too, is that Renata and Celeste are the older mothers. Right, yeah, and I mean, and a lot of the other mothers and fathers at the school aren't particularly young-looking, and, and for having kids in, you know, having a six-year-old uh, and being in your 50s, um, that makes you, you know, you, you definitely lived quite a life before having that child. So, and, and in a lot of their cases, both of those, like Renata and Celeste, for example, who are in their 50s, um, you know, they had careers, or in, in Renata's case, have a career. So it is, you know, it's plausible and, and doable. And it's also implied later on that Celeste had a hard time... Getting pregnant. Getting pregnant. And, and I think we're supposed to assume from she, the fact that fertility she has twins. Treatments. Yeah. Well, and there's, uh, they say in the first episode that Perry is significantly younger than Celeste, mm-hmm. so she's right. like this young sort of irrational husband and she's sort of this older figure that's got more right and the fact that like jane is mistaken for a nanny because she is so much younger than the it seems that the moms in this community are do tend to be a little bit older like than maybe in some others it's funny jane and bonnie are seem to be you know the closest in age in terms of the mothers but i don't think they really ever interact not in really. any significant Not way until the end. Until like, the, yeah. I don't think they have any sort of major interaction, despite the fact that they should have the most in common. They belong mm-hmm. to the same generation, but they don't have any sort of overlap. Yeah. And Madeline is sort of straddling both worlds, right? Because when she had Abigail, she, she was, was probably so. very young, and that then when she had Chloe, she was more of an older mother. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abigail's the conduit between the two, for sure. Mm-hmm. But she seems to have lost sight of both the younger mother role and the older mother role in a way. Mm-hmm. She seems to be judgmental of both in a way. Right. Yeah. And and then the, the whole working moms versus the stay-at-home mm-hmm. moms, I, I do think that that is kind of like a dated concept. Like, I feel like I remember when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. you know, that people talking about like, oh, well, that, you know, she works so she can't volunteer mm-hmm. or, you know, she's not doing you know she's not coming she and reading kids books. up from school yeah, yeah coming and reading books during the day and things like that um and you know oh they have like a nanny and all this like that it it does seem that this show kind of like i i was not aware mm-hmm. that that was still a thing that people were that it was frowned upon to be a working mom or to not be working Oh, I definitely have seen a lot of that. I went to a Montessori school, and there was definitely a lot of shade. Thrown. You basically went right, to Otter Bay. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I basically went to Otter Bay. Well, it was definitely like the stay-at-home moms had this like cultural currency that the working moms would never have because they weren't hands-on. They just, right, but like I kind of thought that that had passed from yeah. when we were kids. Like I thought now it was kind of. I almost thought that it's like at this point, it's such a financial necessity that there are two working right. parents in the home, especially that, like, in a community like this where you'd have to. You know, that well, I guess maybe income. I would say almost like in a community like this, like it's more likely that there's a man with a job who can support a stay at home uh, mother than there, is, than there would be in like a more middle class neighborhood. Maybe it's just sort of like middle class roots showing where you're like, no, no one can afford yeah. <laughs> to live like without two incomes. Like everybody has to work, even if it's part time or whatever. Yeah, like, I mean, even, growing up, like, so where where I grew up uh right outside boston mm-hmm. like there were very few moms that had that had jobs mm-hmm. so that's why it was a big standout if like your mom couldn't mm-hmm. be part of volunteering at school or like your right. mom wasn't and then the, the whole one. mr mom thing like this the whole concept mm-hmm. of stay oh yeah dad, like which yeah. has its own taboo associated with mm-hmm. it which there actually is no example on the show of a stay-at-home dad which i'm kind of surprised by that they didn't toss that yeah. no it is 
Well, but he, but he works Ed from works home from home in his standing desk with his yeah. beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but and he does make dinner and stuff. You yeah. always see him making making dinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, and that and they kind of address the role reversal there. But it even seems like the ones that are making money, like we don't actually know what Renata does. We do not know what Perry does. No. Perry's traveling. We do know that Renata's on the board of PayPal. Yes. <laughs> Naturally. Uh-huh. So I think that the fact that there is that mystery surrounding like the actual work lives, like we don't really see. The only thing we really see that takes place in an office is uh, Renata and creepy Gordon banging one out in a couple episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't really strike me as normal workplace behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't really work in an office, but I don't really think that happens very often. I probably would have been Mad more Man. interested working in an yeah, office. Yeah, maybe that was missing from the corporate world. Uh, yeah. Um, So we've already talked a little bit about the music in this show, but specifically I want to talk about DJ Chloe for a minute. This kid is constantly, like, creating the soundtrack to everyone's lives. What, like, it it just strikes me as a weird choice for the director or whoever gets to make that choice. Like, you constantly have to find ways for this kid to be, like, in the background lurking and turning music on. I It's a But, like, weird, where does she thing. get it from? So, if a kid is this into music, I think it's plausible. So, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old nephew, mm-hmm. and last summer when he was three-and-a-half, we were in a cab, and the cab just, the cab driver had, like, you know, a radio on, and... Uh, that that song by the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams yeah. came on, and Brennan, my nephew, said to the cab driver, "Can you turn this up? I love this song. Yeah. Amazing." He was three and a half at the time, and that song is like what forty years old, yeah. if not more. And you know, the cab driver just could not get over yeah. this, and it's because like I've played that song, and we we actually like used to sing as his nighttime song, like that was his special song with his auntie, is "Sweet Dreams Are Made of Cheese" because it's <laughs> cheese. So. Uh, but so you have to kind I can kind of accept that maybe Chloe had some sort of musical influence um, I mean that the Madeline character kind of has this interest in theater and music and there's a piano in their house that like at one point Madeline is sitting there kind of playing on so like maybe music is a big part of their lives and Chloe has just kind of taken it on and just sits around like listening because kids are obsessed with YouTube yeah. So, like, maybe she just goes down these YouTube rabbit holes and finds these songs, and that's her interest. Six does seem a little young to be that savvy about it, but I am almost willing to accept this because of my experience with my nephew being really into, um, he, you know, the Eurythmics. <laughs> Where I lose it is that it very, it's very clear to me that Madeline has no musical taste other than, like, her love of musicals themselves. And right. And the fact that she's, you know, Chloe's discovered, like, Leon Bridges. And Ed looks like he just listens to, like, Dave Matthews' band. <laughs> he probably just listens to, like, old Elvis. Like, he's, he's not yeah. So I don't really understand, like, how they, they justify Chloe's musical acumen. I do think it really is a helpful device and that it gives the music context. It's not just, like, there's music playing over a montage and it's mm-hmm. music that's been played in a car and suddenly the camera pans out and that music extends or it's music that she plays to solve a crisis like you know she picks River by Leon Bridges to try and how could you not want to make out to this song yeah which is you know it's very sweet and she's very right I mean it's Mm -hmm. a very sexy song and it does make you want to like you know give up your grievances Mm -hmm. so I think that there are the bones in place for that I just struggle as to where this education and and very trendy current music has come from because she doesn't maybe it's Abigail I mean she does have a teenage sister that's pretty cool and definitely has a woke Twitter so who knows but (laughs) yeah um so 
Chloe also she gets everyone into trouble in this episode with her mini little, Madeline. <laughs> that's where I was yeah. going. Is she just a mini Madeline? Like she's just interfering in everybody's business and oh yeah, apples don't fall far from trees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this kid sees her mom like running around trying to network, network, <laughs> and uh, be in a, in the mom's in everyone's business and is constantly you know talking and spilling the tea and so this kid just picks up on that and is. Doing what she sees is the example at home. She's also, I think, a little bit less obvious and more self-aware than Madeline. Like oh, she, for she sure. She kind of rolls her eyes at her own machinations, which yeah. Madeline does not have the mental forethought to do. I think that Chloe's just kind of able to kind of roll her eyes. And she, Chloe is definitely friends with Amabella and Ziggy. Yeah. So I do She's think like she just was genuinely trying to get two people who she likes to... And, and I don't think that it... Do we think Chloe really likes Amabella? Well, like, I think Chloe just, like... just kind of... Uh, well, Chloe does express that she wants to go to Amabella's party. Okay, that's true. Uh, I think Chloe's a fixer like her mom. Like, she yeah. doesn't like attention. She wants everybody yeah, to Yeah, she's just trying to get these like, she's two kids. She's facilitating kumbaya. That's right. what she's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Through Leon Bridges, which is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. She, she is just a very advanced... She's a very precocious child. It really <laughs> bothered me how precocious she was at first, but I really came to be endeared by that precociousness. Yeah. I mean, no, I just, like I said, Chloe is Chloe is my pick of the last yeah. episode is like the best character in the episode. I, I like her. And, and and I think that she, uh, I again, I think that, that the actress, the young actress who plays Chloe does a Amazing. great job at like really nailing a character. I think in less capable hands, this character could have been super annoying. Yeah. And her little react interactions with the other kids, you can tell she's the ringleader of the child actors. Like they're yeah. all kind of she's looking at her networking yeah. as Madeline puts yeah. it out. Yeah. Her interactions with Ziggy are adorable. It's almost oh. like she takes him under his wing. And you almost get the sense that the actors are doing that too. Like she's gotta be like the little Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. for the kids on yeah. set. Like a lot of energy. Um all right, let's talk about sex because oh, can we not? This entire <laughs> episode is about people's sex lives and it's Kind of gross at points. Um, so Celeste and Perry's hot sex life, supposedly, that they everyone else thinks they have. And they kind of do have. It's just based on a foundation of abuse and lies. The foreplay is abuse. Yes. And then the post, the coital bliss is abuse. And they seem to totally get this because they go to the therapist and they talk about, like, how, like, Passion is tied up with violence and, like, at where, where do they get this warped idea that any of this is okay? Well, I think that they know it's not okay. Both of them obviously know it's not okay. Well, maybe Perry doesn't. But I think that they, I think that Celeste is trying to reason with why she is allowing this to happen because she is a smart woman she is a power like a woman who once felt a lot of power and now I think she's just trying to come up with well you know this this is what we do in order to have this amazing sex so Mm -hmm. I think it's more of her just totally like grasping in the dark for some sort of is the show saying something about people who like this kind of passion doesn't come from nowhere and it's probably a lot darker than you think. Like, is the show making that point? HBO sure does love to, like, make that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of scenes in Game of Thrones where that line mm-hmm. between, like, violent rape and really passionate hot sex is blurred. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I find that whole concept of 
blending violence and sex like repulsive mm-hmm. and I can't imagine ever being turned on by somebody choking me or hitting me but you know yeah. different strokes for different <laughs> folks I guess I don't know that's a head scratcher for me uh yeah I mean I I don't I I thought this episode was weird to me because like even their Skype sex Ugh. I mean it was just it's just creepy and Skype like the first period so the first time that they he like they they have Skype sex twice. Well, the first time is like an attempt, but she gets she, as she's like undressing herself, she sees the bruises and sort of ends it there. And then the second time, she like you know really goes in for it, and uh, it, it but it, it's like gross. It felt like I didn't even it, it didn't even occur to me that you could have like Skype rape. And that's yeah. like what happens yeah. here. She, well, so, <laughs> Welcome to 2019. Yeah. Anything is possible. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I think this is one of the th- scenes that really sort of sets up Celeste as almost complicit in all of this because she she doesn't have to call Perry back. She initiates right. that second time. And she, why is she initiating I think it's it? Stockholm Syndrome. I think when yeah. that's yeah. abused by someone, you don't feel like you have a choice. Like, mm-hmm. she has to keep feeding into this, or he's just going to come back and beat her twice as badly if she defies him. So I think it's more that she's, like, afraid. I don't think it's necessarily she's like... And I think also there's a... She's a sexual being. Yeah. Like there mm-hmm. is... You and know, this is all she knows, right? Right. Now, exactly. This and there's this, there is a yearning there. Um, and I think it's... It, how, how we see each of these relationships, their relationship to sex, like... Then we have, in, like, stark contrast, you have, and they address this with the talking heads, like, about, like, thinking about all these different people in this community having mm-hmm. sex. Like, Madeline and Ed. Yeah. Yeah, like, the concept of them having sex, like, you know that that is not happening, or mm-hmm. when it is happening, it isn't great. Like, mm-hmm. she probably is, like, also writing a grocery list yeah. while they're fucking or yeah. something. She's probably writing a kill list while they're fucking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it just, like, that just seems like there is, like, very little chance that there is any sort of passion there. Whereas, like, you know, Celeste and Perry, there is this intense passion, and, and it is, like, palpable even when they're just in a room not fucking, whereas, like, mm-hmm. Madeline and Ed, like, you can't even picture right. that happening. Like, they probably have, like, they could have, like, twin beds for all you care. And they practically, we learn in this episode that they kind of do, like, that their sex life is lacking, and he's all upset again about not being adored and um, she's like well I'm just so tired all the time which is like the standard mom line of why she no longer wants to have sex with her husband and yeah we learn all of that whereas like then Bonnie and Nathan like you, you know I feel like they have whole sex rituals that involve like they're doing like tantric karma sutra yeah yeah Uh uh-huh coordinated breathing oh for sure climaxing Mm -hmm. whole nine yards yeah absolutely uh and and then you know and then i feel like gordon and uh and renata yeah that (laughs) i i you don't want this episode that they have sex in the bathroom no No, it's the next one okay it is the next one but they you know, I, I actually feel like of all the couples, like, their sex life would maybe be just kind of, like, the most normal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, it wouldn't be this kind Sad. of, like, awkward sadness of, like, Madeline and Ed, but also not this, like, beautiful shared passion moments of Nathan and Bonnie. And then it's not the, the violent, passionate, mm-hmm. slash, you abusive. know, abusive yeah. relationship. Uh, it's So I think for them... They they kind of like represent just your typical married couple who 
do it when they have time and aren't mm-hmm. tired and it, it you know yeah. so it is interesting that they these all these couples like we you see this like kind of contrast of this spectrum of sexual relationships so then we get down to bonnie who uh brings the asshole abigail to planned parenthood apparently to get birth control which on the one hand is like exactly what you want the cool stepmom to do like to be there when the daughter has questions she doesn't want to ask her mom but it's also just like bonnie are you a glutton for goddamn punishment like passive aggressive yeah (laughs) that's my biggest problem with bonnie is like if she just was you know, open about her intentions, but she mm-hmm. does things in these like subversive, creepy ways. She knows, she knows is going to piss off Madeline. Mm-hmm. She's not stupid. She knows that high-strung Madeline, who's trying to keep her claws in her children, mm-hmm. is not going to be happy, and she knows that that's going to come out one way or another. So I think Bonnie is secretly one of the messier bees. <laughs> yeah, she. It definitely. I, I agree with that. Like, Bonnie knew that that Bonnie was wrong. Bonnie knew. I mean, it's not uh, It's not wrong, wrong. It's but, like, it was like... wrong to not dialogue with Madeline when you have that yeah. kind of... I mean, it's not like she never sees Madeline. She doesn't know her. Like, it was wrong to take the kid knowing how Madeline would have felt right. about it. Uh, and But that daughter, like... The, <laughs> that daughter... She's an angsty teen Is an yes. angsty teen. And I, I think that she is exactly... Uh, I mean... But she's exactly like the kind of teen daughter that you would love to see someone like Madeline have. Yeah. <laughs> Just completely ruin her day. Right. Yeah. Any yeah. at any turn that she can. Um, but and I think it's so funny that she's like, well, I'm not having sex with them. But at the same time, like, Madeline then it is is just so annoying. She's like, well, when you do have sex, I hope you'll talk to me first because mm-hmm. I can. It's like, no, she's not going to talk to What kid is ever going to talk to their mom first? Be like, well, Mom, I'm thinking of having sex, and I want some tips. Like, what what, do you, what is Dad like? What are yeah. you and Ed get? Yeah, yeah, ew, That's right? not the example you want. No. So, and, I mean, if I, if Madeline was my mom and Bonnie was my stepmom, mm-hmm. And I had questions about, like, sex or needed to get to Planned Parenthood or anything like that. Bonnie, 100% would be my 100%. go-to. Because she's not, I mean, Madeline's just going to flip out no matter what you say because she, that's, like, her permanent state is, like, going straight to rage. So, you can and meanwhile, Bonnie's going to be like, okay, thank you for being responsible. Let's go, yeah. Here's a book of Karma Sutra. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. I Take also some yoga classes. Learn here, yourself here's up. A, here's a playlist like, that you can listen to. And Madeline. Of Leon Bridges, yeah. curated by Chloe. <laughs> I love that Madeline's like first thing was that she assumed that it was like their pediatrician that she went to to get birth control. And she's mad at the pediatrician. She's like, why didn't she call me first? It's right? like the pediatrician's got doctor-patient confidentiality. Madeline. Yes, that. And also like, I mean, every, I feel like every teen goes to Planned Parenthood to get birth control. Like, nobody's yeah. going to talk to their pediatrician Like, about the pediatrician's it. Like, got the, like, hot take on birth control. I don't know. To me, like, that just, like, made Madeline like, this, like... diaphragm. Yeah. <laughs> it made me... to. to it kind of, like, made her this... Uh, it made her that older mom character. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. she didn't even think of Planned Parenthood yeah. right off the bat. Was That was, to me, an odd... Uh, but I feel like in elite communities like this, Planned Parenthood has like a certain taboo attached to it. Like people go to like their upscale gynecologists. Right. To yeah, fair. A, yeah. Vaginoplasty and all that. <laughs> like Planned Parenthood has that like Bonnie association to it. Of, yeah. Like, socialism and all of this stuff that like they well, do I, not want to be attached to. Yeah. Socialist Planned Socialist Parenthood. Pan Planned. That is the current... Uh, Current government's work. This is the future liberals yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Socialized abortions. 
Um, all right, let's get back to fucking Renata. Um, <laughs> not fucking Renata. No. Fucking Renata. Fucking Renata. <laughs> um, so she's handing out invitations to Amabella's birthday party at school, but she doesn't invite Ziggy, which none of us here have children, but I feel like we all know that is not something you're allowed to do. If you, if you invite, if you're handing out invitations at school, you have to invite the entire class. Like, that's the rule. Yeah, so where's first this teacher all, for that? I yes, think that like, that's like an unspoken rule. Like, I think I it's just think something so. about being no, nice. No, it's like a policy thing in a lot of schools mm-hmm. okay. now. It's like Valentine's. You can't just give a Valentine to one person. You've got to mm-hmm. give to every kid in the class. Yeah. All right, no, yeah. It's become a thing because everyone is worried about bullying. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Renata's defense, I do feel like she, at this moment, thought, like, is so convinced that Ziggy is hurting her daughter mm-hmm. that it does make sense to, like, not exclude him. But if that, I mean, to exclude him. But if that was the case... Mm-hmm. Uh, she needed to proactively have a dialogue with Jane before this happened and say, like, I'm having a birthday party, but in the interest of what has been going on potentially between our children, I think it would be best if Ziggy didn't come. I want you to know that. Just send the invitations in the mail. Well, that too. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not like she class. needs to skimp on stamps. Right, yeah. Right? Like, she <laughs> the Burberry uh, first day She probably sent a courier to school for yeah. like, each individual child. Yeah. You've been served. Don't you picture like a flock of doves flying yes. around, like just giving these invitations to this ridiculous birthday party? Yeah, Amabella does not seem to be into this party whatsoever. Yeah. Amabella just doesn't have any soul left in her poor little body to care about this no. party. <laughs> no. And then, so, Renata ambushes Celeste and um, Madeline while they're just trying to drink some wine next to a fire pit at a bar with the most fire pits I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ex- I, extra. Yeah, I mean, their, you know, natural gas bill has got to be <laughs> out of control. First of all, why is she even approaching them, like, out, out like that? She knows what's going to happen. Like, she knows Madeline, Madeline's just going to fly off the handle. Like, is she, what what's happening at first like i thought okay she's trying you know she's but i I, she's just not like that she was just like baiting the situation at Mm -hmm. that point um and And she immediately goes to like don't fuck with my daughter's birthday right it's just like i mean that's what i mean it just escalated so quickly that you could tell she never had good intentions there i feel like renata is the queen of escalating situations. She goes well, from zero and to Madeline, 60. Madeline yeah. is also True. a zero they to 60. They trigger each other big time. The two of them just go back and forth. Right. This, this was one of my favorite Madeline moments where she just, lo- after Renata freaks out and she just looks at her and goes, get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just such like a low rent thing to say and she's just... Yeah. Like, it's her favorite like, though. Early in the yeah. episode somebody cuts her off and she says, get laid bitch or something. And I'm like, I love this like aggressive, like go have sex because I'm certainly not having sex. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, and then the, in the same scene, Celeste is in the background, and it's like she's rolling her eyes at Madeline. And this is one of the moments where I'm like, is she just kind of annoyed by Madeline, and she just keeps hanging out with her because it's her only friend? Like, what's going on with these? Things? I feel like the stakes in Celeste's life are so much higher that she just like cannot yeah. be bothered with any of this nonsense. Yeah, because she's like, my life is on the fucking line every single day with this marriage. So like, how am I going to get wrapped up in birthday party drama? Right. Yeah, she just, it, it, this is so, she is beginning to see all these other problems as so small as she mm-hmm. continued. Like I said, her character has so much, she is constantly kind of like growing and evolving and opening her eyes more. And so she sees this as as the these other problems that are just small day-to-day problems mm-hmm. as 
the true as smaller and smaller. Um, I also think that Celeste, uh, I, I think that like Madeline is like, so, you, you know, we all have that friend that they just are like flying off the handle on everything. And Celeste is just kind of like, she's a little bit more even keel than Madeline. So I think like, she just kind of like knows like Madeline's going to get pretty upset about this. I'm going to sit here and drink my wine and just let her have her moment. She sips her wine knowingly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll just, I'll just let this play out. This, uh, this scene also brought up one of the things that bothers me throughout this entire show. Um, so Reese Witherspoon's character is referred to as Madeline by everyone except Renata, who insists on calling her Madeline. And I can't figure out if this is Petty. intentional. Yeah. Like, or... No, it's shade. No, yeah. so let me tell you. So my name is Carolyn, uh-huh. but people call me Caroline all the time and a lot of times it's because they just don't even want to take the fucking time I am convinced mm-hmm. to correct it and like admit it a it like makes them wrong because they said the wrong name mm-hmm. and then like b it makes you know it's like they're not even bothering to say your name correctly right and I always I I'll pick up on that and there are sometimes where I'm just like this is just an aggressive maneuver you fucker it's Carolyn <laughs> and you know it <laughs> especially because your spelling is very clearly Carolyn right yeah. yeah I mean I guess with the name with the name Madeline like the spelling is it is it is harder but she knows Renata knows what she's doing here I feel like Renata power also play. reads a lot of Madeline like oh to Amabella because yeah. Amabella like definitely is into like little French Eloise Madeline or well she thinks Madeline. she is yeah she has yeah. no personality no but yeah if she <laughs> did she'd be into that or her mother would want her to be into yes. that mm-hmm. I feel like Amabella might just be into I don't know staring I, at white Amabella's walls. gonna grow up to be like goth Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's going to be worse than Abby, and it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping in the time that it took them to film the next season that by now, um, Bella is, like, starting to enter some awkward prepubescent years. a very wonderful question about how that's going to happen. You're going to age up the kids. Yeah. I doubt it. The time passage for the kids. As we all know, child actors age a lot faster. Right, that's what I'm saying. Because these kids were playing six-year-olds. Some of them could have been as old as seven or eight. Now, by the time they filmed it, like, they're going to be, like, nine, ten. You're going to see some... We're going to have a Harry Potter problem on our hands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to be exciting. (laughs) So, this episode also brought us the weird Ed-Nathan brawl in the park that, like, seemed to come out of nowhere as far as I was concerned. Like, this seems like one of those storylines to me that is like, this is just to give you more possibilities about who could be dead and who could be murdered, even though no one believes that this is important enough to be the answer. How did you feel about this scene? And Well, do, do Madeline and Ed not have a second car? Yeah. Like, <laughs> do they, does, does he have to ride his bike around town? Like, no, he did it because he's one of those guys that likes to put on his bike suit and ride on the highway thinking he's Lance Armstrong everywhere he goes. It's right, incredible. yeah. I mean, nobody should want to be Lance Armstrong, but, um. Except for maybe Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Ed, this outfit he is wearing and the fact that he is trying to intimidate this, like, manly man Nathan, mm-hmm. you know, who... And to show up in like biker shorts, spandex, spandex, yeah. yeah. My favorite part with of your part helmet, of- with your little mirror on it. That even Nathan makes fun of him. He's like, "Oh, so you got a mirror there?" He's like, "Oh, it's standard issue." It's the like, no, it's part, not. He just bikes away from the conflict at the end. Too. He yeah, just gets on his bike and bikes away. He thinks he's like gotten the last one. Yeah, it's like he's he like, got on his dude. horse and like rode off yeah. into the sunset. He just biked away. It's like, from no, the that's your that's you your lost. bike. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I was going to suggest that we objectify them and talk about who's hotter, but I think we've already answered that Oh, it's that Nathan, question. for yeah. sure. I mean, Ed is... So that actor in general... Um, Adam Scott? Yeah. I have a very, like, visceral reaction to him and everything he's ever done, and I just want to punch him in his face. Like, even on Parks and Rec, where... Oh, he, he plays the same character. It's just mm-hmm. 50 shades of that same, like, loser. There's not even 50 shades. It's one Four, shade. Two shades, one. Yeah, yeah, maybe two. But, like, even on Parks and Rec, yeah, I could The whole calzone thing. I could gross. not... I could not get excited about him and, uh, uh, you know... Leslie Nope. Yeah, yeah, Leslie Nope getting together. Um, so I kind of have this very... Already, whenever he shows up on my screen, I'm like, oh no, him again? I feel like he's sort of like a certain kind of, uh... Sadness? No, a certain kind of woman sort of... It's like, he's almost like the manic pixie dream girl for a certain kind of, like, um... Desperate housewife? Dorky, comedy nerd you, do you know what I'm trying I feel like to he's say he's trying to have Jason like, Bateman's career but he's right. not doing it as well yes yeah. all right fair so like he's like the poor the poor woman's Jason Bateman yeah like if you okay all right I'll buy that that helps me kind of wrap my head around him as a human but he yeah, plays the equivalent sure. of like the devil on the good place mm-hmm. and I think that's his best role yeah because he uh. just plays that like slimy all the worst parts of Ed he like really plays up in that so I think that he He's a faceted actor. I just think he definitely plays just exclusively yeah. sad losers. Yeah, I don't know, but this, I, I mean, I, I both of them are unappealing personality wise mm-hmm. for different reasons. But if we're objectifying them, it mm-hmm. for sure. Now, if we're doing Mary Fuck Kill with Perry, Ed, and Nathan, where are we landing? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, I, I mean, I guess like. Well, oh, this is a dangerous one because, like, I would say maybe fuck Perry just because he's, like, so hot. Yeah. But, like, it would probably be, like, really, like, violent, gross sex. I mean, but it yeah. would just be once and, like, you know, at least he's hot. Uh, I would kill... Uh, you know what? Ed, I feel like, is a good husband. But yeah, Nathan, see, I'm very Ed just Nathan is, is uh, show, you know, he seems to be a decent husband to yeah. Bonnie. But, yeah, the, I, I guess I would, uh, I would fuck Perry, maybe kill... I really don't like Adam Scott's face, though. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I think like, you gotta marry that. Nathan. I think you can. I think you I would marry. Him. I think you know what? I could. I could deal with Nathan, and I would kill Ed. I think I would marry Nathan too, because I don't think I would ever want to have to have sex with either of the other two more than once. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I mean, Nathan, so which one are you fucking? That's it. That's I, I know. It feels, it feels there is only wrong. one answer to this question, and that is kill Perry. Yeah. You have to kill Perry. No, but like if you're just fucking him once, and then uh, you're assuming he like goes away. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, assuming he doesn't, and he's gonna it. die anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Later, no, I kill him, Perry, every time. So which one are you fucking, Nathan? No, okay, Ed. fair. I can I can manipulate Ed. And, you know, I don't necessarily need to have sex. I can just let Ed be a computer programmer and I can do my own thing. Yeah. yeah Take away those biker shorts, Apparently, oh, Madeline is doing anyway. Yeah. Um, so, in this episode, we learn that the charges that are eventually filed against someone who we don't know yet are assault and conspiracy to incite violence. Yeah, the talking heads really undermine the actual plot. Yeah. But this is, I believe, the detective is, like, mm-hmm. saying we're charging whoever. Yeah, at a press conference. Right. And... By the way, that actress, I love her. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the actress who plays the detective. She, I first became aware of her on this show uh, called Better Off Ted, which mm-hmm. I think you can watch on Hulu still. It was a two-season, like, 
uh, workspace workplace comedy, and uh, she plays this like office oddball named Sheila. Um, and she is so, I just think she is so funny and so underrated. Mm -hmm. And I think she like deserves a huge shout out because everything she's in, she's oftentimes this like small bit character, mm -hmm. but she's really, I, I think she's just interesting. And I, you would never know that from this. Right. That season, she's so, that she, yeah, she that she can, says anything. yeah, <laughs> but I think that that's where her power is. Like in, in, um, better off Ted, she actually is a small character and doesn't really say too much, but it's like what she says, how she says it and her mm -hmm. facial expressions. So I really, she also was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm too, way back and is a great little foil to Larry David in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, I think she's a standout. But anyway, yes, so she's announcing the assault and conspiracy to incite violence. Which, knowing what we know, we all know how this show ends. Does that make any sense? Like, so the conspiracy to uh, incite violence is like, is that the implication that they were attempting to start a, uh, like, some sort of... Lynch all the men? Savage... <laughs> Or, yeah, I was just going to even say, like, a, a, a what, is, what is that called when you start, like, a, a fight? Like a in mob? A, yes, a mob. <laughs> what is that called? A mob like, of women? <laughs> <Or> you, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, And do we think this charge applies to everybody or just one person? Well, that's the thing is I don't think it's clear at the end of the season if they're trying to bring charges against all, all the women that were there or they've honed in on one suspect or they're putting it on Celeste because she was well, the That's wife. why we needed a season two. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, so, but the charges of assault and conspiracy insight, it doesn't include murder. This is what was confusing to me. So right. they're willing to accept that his death was accidental. So now. So they, where's the violent charge? If it's accidental, it's accidental. Right. Yeah. yeah and that confused. would still be like manslaughter. So I was confused by these charges as well so are they is are they assuming that the death that his death is an accident but it happened because these women were in a fight and then got and then mm. this happened but they're going to charge them for the fight because they're conceding that you know the death was accidental so it is interesting so that's something like you know I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they come around with that I get how the talking heads in you know keep the intrigue up it it, it gives you, like, that sense of chronology. But I do think there are several times where it undermines what's actually happening in the mm -hmm. plot in a really significant way. And it feels like they almost just tacked that in as a way to provide some sort of narrative cohesion in between the episodes. Mm -hmm. But it's not actually ever really, you know, backing up what ultimately we see happening. It's and it's so confusing because there are points where I'm like, do they even know who's dead? Yeah. Because, like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 And though it's very clear at the last episode they all know who's dead. I mean, mm -hmm. you see Perry being carted right. away. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. So it's it's weird. There's definitely... It's, I wonder if they're going to keep that up in the second season, too, if they're going to continue. Yeah. I, I feel like this. they won't, but... Uh, but then you're really losing continuity. Exactly. Because so of the know. style. Um, so... Amabella's birthday party is a big, uh, big bone of contention in this episode, and Madeline is conspiring to ruin this poor child's birthday party by getting everybody tickets to go see Disney on Ice. So, in a little round of Would You Rather, I want to know if you would rather go to Disney on Ice or Amabella's birthday party. Amabella's birthday party, because there's definitely weed there. Yeah. <laughs> Annabella's birthday party because it, there's definitely like booze and yeah. some good like people watching. Yeah. I feel like there'd be, you know. Disney yeah. Life is also creepy. 
let's be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like they had to go a long way yeah. Yeah. to do that. Eventually, they have to get in a limo. It's a, it's a mess. Okay, so another round of would you rather. Would you rather be on the bad side of Madeline or Renata? I'd rather be on the bad side of Madeline because I feel like I know how to handle that particular type of chaotic energy, whereas Renata is just like, I wouldn't even know where to start. That kind of corporate go-getter, mm-hmm. she'd walk all over me. I think I would rather be on the bad side of Renata, believe it or not. I feel like Madeline just, like, gets so unhinged. I think at least with Renata, there is, like, some reason because of the corporate side. Like, I feel like, and and you see this later in, in later episodes where Jane finally, like, goes and talks with her. Like, you can see, like, there she has the ability to, to, be, rational. to be rational, whereas Madeline, I think, lacks that ability often. That's a good point. I also think, like, if you're not operating... In Renata's business sphere, she doesn't wield as much power as Madeline. Madeline can ruin your social life, and I don't think Renata can. Like, I don't think Renata has that kind of cachet among the other mothers. I think Madeline might be, in a way, easier to manipulate, though. I think Renata Mm -hmm. is a little more aware of people's people Mm -hmm. trying to move her will, whereas Madeline, I think, is kind of, like, easily flattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, one last, would you rather, would you rather wear Abigail's fedora or Ed's bike pants? I mean, I would never in a million years imagine myself answering fedora, but in this case, it's the fedora. I, I love, I love a good hat. That fedora is ridiculous, but I'm going to also go with fedora just because I, I do, I do like hats. Uh, and those, those bike shirts should, they should be burned in one of those fire That's pits the at the bar. The Kardashians exclusively wear those now. It's just bike shorts, shorts with like baggy t-shirts. <laughs> like their parents are doing laundry and they have no clothes left. So I guess it's I think that that's now. a 90s look coming back. Gross. By the well, way. nothing yeah. in the 90s should ever come back. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to say the bike shorts because I could like put put them under a skirt and like oh, that's deal cheating. with like summer oh, that's cheating. You gotta yeah. hide <laughs> it. If we can hide it, then it's just spanks. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. got to wear that's those shorts not... out. All right, I'm wearing my shorts out, camel toe and all. I don't care. Um, all right, we're favorite quotes in this one. So many oh. good ones. My favorite is well, I have two, but I'll just go with the first one, which is feces is never far from Madeline's fan. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Some random talking head who has no name said it, and it cracked me up. Uh, Chloe gets my favorite quote of this episode where she is talking about that Barbies aren't allowed because uh, Sylvia's gave Joey a boner. <laughs> I miss that. That's amazing. At dinner when they're talking about that she sneaks a cell phone into school inside oh, right. a doll and then the sister says like in a Barbie and she's like no a phone wouldn't fit in a Barbie plus Barbies aren't allowed because Sylvia so-and-so's gave Joey so-and-so's That's a boner. so funny. And I it is just it's this like little tiny moment and it's just again another thing where like Chloe is just this little adult in a six-year-old's body. I mean if my six-year-old said boner I'd be terrified but none of them are even they're not even Fake. worried about that. Yeah. Um, but that was my favorite quote. So there's a scene in this episode where all the parents are in with the superintendent dealing with the fallout of Amabella's birthday party. And the superintendent refers to Chloe as ameliorating the brouhaha. I'm like, <laughs> is this superintendent for real? We're talking about first graders. And then he kind of says that Sky was involved. And Bonnie has this great line with like complete sincerity. She goes, I don't believe my daughter would sanction non-consensual touching. She's a very peaceful child. And I about spit my tea out. So funny. Also, we learned this episode that Ziggy's real name is Siegfried, which I'm like, what is Jane doing? Does she have aspirations to move to Monterey and be a wealthy bee? Or did she just... 
Because I assumed I was so disappointed. Was I thought it was Ziggy Stardust because that's what they yeah. they seem to but his like name David is Bowie. Siegfried, yeah, so I have questions. Yeah, so that was I was disappointed in Jane with that. Yep, she lost some cool. Roy. Yeah, but it was We need a drum roll. Um, okay, rapid fire. Which kid is the creepiest? Amabella. Mm-hmm. Harry, the gross stuffed animal hippo. Oh, <laughs> I know he's not technically a child, but he's involved with the children in this scene. And he is so dirty and gross looking. And all these kids have like hugged him and carried him well, around Annabella for like 10 asking years. About, like the consensual hugging oh, of the yeah. hippo. Like, Does Harry like to be hugged? Yeah. Who was but teaching that's her? Like, the teacher needs to be like, um, that's a red flag. Like, yeah. Maybe we should put this child in some Exactly. Therapy. Maybe this know. kid. Who? Why is a kid asking that? So yeah, I say Harry, the gross stuffed animal hippo. <laughs> so uh, who's the worst person in this episode? I think Renata. Mm. Uh, I I actually say Madeline in this episode mm. because of her drama, her whining, her griping, at all the points that Ed makes to her are completely valid here. <laughs> She's like stirring all these fights and then uh, telling her daughter to talk about having sex with her first because she can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, Madeline, you're the worst right now. <laughs> I'm going to go with Madeline too, but I think just trying to ruin a kid's birthday party is a special Okay, yeah, and that. I, I left that <laughs> off my list That's of grievances. True. That's true. <laughs> um, so who's the best person in this episode? I mean, I keep always defaulting back to Jane, but mm-hmm. the other person I wrote down in this episode was Ed because he was being so reasonable, even mm-hmm. though I really hate Ed. So it's amazing what this show can do to you, yeah. like episode to episode. I'm like, oh, Ed's not so bad this episode. This one was a tie for me between Bonnie because of this one moment where she says, we drank a bottle of wine last night and I said, we've got to go to yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Um, relatable, 100%, and also the fact that she takes the stepdaughter to Planned Parenthood, I do uh-huh. think, like, that's a commendable act, even though we talked about, like, she should have dealt with it a little differently, I'm like, alright, anyone who helps a kid hook up with Planned Parenthood, they get a thumbs up, and then, uh, Renata gets my other vote for Woo! best in this episode, because, uh, <laughs> her boss bitch move of doing a phone interview on her perfect deck while getting her hair and makeup done, and bossing her staff around, <laughs> Like, all is amazing. And then saying, don't fuck with my daughter's birthday. And then saying, I said, thank you. (laughs) I was like, this tiger mom boss bitch, I know I should hate her, but I love her so much for all these things right now. (laughs) I I said Jane by default as well, but I kind of like the Bonnie wine drinking, yoga going. uh, See, that's what annoys me about her. I'm like, she's she's trying to be holier than thou and all enlightened. I'm like, just be real. Have your hangover. You still have to go to yoga. But, like, I feel like we all say things like that. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, I ate, like, you know, 17 cookies tonight. I should probably run tomorrow. Like, See, I just, I, I might say that, but I never actually do it. Bonnie actually does it. So, she also, I, that's like why I hate her a little bit. Yeah. She follows through on Don't that. be resentful because yeah, she follows through. I'm a little through. resentful. I think that's what this is. She's a little bit magic because she apparently got Nathan, who wouldn't do anything, to go to yoga. So, like, clearly she's doing something. Well, because it's like a sex thing, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. hot as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the best song in this episode? I think it's gotta be River. Yeah, that's what I So I knew everyone was gonna say River, because I feel like this episode sets you up to, like, love River. It's a great sexy song. Um, I'm going with Man in Charge by Brent Omaker and, um, and the rodeo that's playing when Madeline is driving. I, it's, it's a really good song. It's like, kill or get, be killed. (laughs) Uh, the lyrics of all these songs. Yeah, yeah. And And also, you know, it's one of those songs that I heard on this show and then downloaded for sure. There's a lot of those instances on this show where you've discovered new music and really got into it. Yeah. Um, so who is this episode trying to convince us is dead? 
Renata um, because of the fight with Madeline and after their little like bar tiff that some one of the talking heads says uh, Madeline glanced at a steak knife after that. <laughs> so to me that was like because I kept bouncing around being like who is it going to be who is it going to be and this one I, I felt like they were driving us towards Renata hmm. um, and then that hence Madeline being the killer. Okay. See I think the killer killed this episode set me up to think it was Nathan and Ed either had that yeah that confrontation went all the way and either that nathan ed, yeah. oh, i think ed killed nathan right ed strikes me as far more unstable hence the bike shorts than nathan mm-hmm. i agree i think i mean i don't think i ever believed that's what was going to happen but i think this episode is introducing this conflict to make us think there are these other possibilities out there even though like i could care less about this little yeah like argument that's going on between them which didn't even make sense to me in the moment i was like wait a minute why is he accusing him of threatening him? I don't feel like that was a threat, but all <laughs> what what yeah, I was so confused. Um so who do you think? I think we both agree that this episode is trying to convince you that Ed and or Nathan is dead or the killer, but who do you think? This so I thought like that this episode was trying to convince us that Madeline could be the killer. Okay. Fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like this, she, we're really starting to see that unhinged woman and, you know, they say she glanced at a steak knife, like it felt like they were trying to set us up to think that she finally like snaps and, mm-hmm. and does this. So what's the most enviable property from this episode? For me, it was that fire pit bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'd go there and drink. That'd be a great spot for us to like, go and hang out and have yeah. a glass of wine. I mean, I know it looks just like my backyard. If you or someone like, you know is a victim of sexual <laughs> why violence, not pay money to you can get help 24 hours a day by calling 1-800-656-HELP. I think this is the episode where I first really appreciated Perry and Celeste's view, but again, that house, like the interior of it with all the concrete mm-hmm. and the hard lines kind of ruins it for me. Mm. So again, like I'm kind of fascinated by these outside scapes more. So I like, you know, Renata's view, you know, that twilight sort of scene where she's on mm-hmm. the phone and getting everything done. I thought that was beautifully shot, but I hate the house. So it's hard mm-hmm. for me to mm-hmm. say that either of those properties really has an edge over the other, but the views are gorgeous. I, I didn't, I hadn't really considered the fire pit bar, but I was going to say Perry and Celeste's view once again, but, um, but I love to drink around a fireman, and if, like, there was a bar that I could go to where I didn't have to, like, go through the trouble of getting firewood and making sure it keeps stoked all night long, I would totally go to it. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a good choice. And with that, we are done with episode two of Big Little Podcast, and we'll be back. If you or someone you know is a victim of sexual violence, you can get help 24 hours a day by calling 1-800-656-HOPE.